What is it? Well, here's something interesting. So this morning we did our meditations, and uh, the wife enjoys listening to uh, Swami G, Swami Sarva Priyananda. Uh, he's an Advaitin, um, a non-dualist Vedantin. Uh, so very much, very much like uh, Buddhism. In fact, they even share, like many other traditions, actually, um, patriarchs. So <clears throat> I want to share something that's kind of... It's, I was making fun, actually, because we keep hearing this story from Swami G. Um, but I realized just now why he keeps telling the same story. So I was making fun... Um, because he keeps telling the story of the Princess of Kashi. And I'll, I'll tell you the story in kind of a cliff notes. But he keeps telling the story, and here's me, and it's funny, because he said it earlier in this uh, talk, and this is the Q&A after, which is fabulous. It's really great. So you get a, a nice Dharma talk, um, and then there's a Q&A, and people can ask questions. So during the Dharma talk, he used the Princess of Kashi to um, explain uh, an aspect, and uh, I can't remember what the actual aspect was, but I think it was talking about being one, um, as opposed to, uh, you know, I'll get to it. So, the story goes that there was a young prince, um, a lone prince, I mean, I think it's supposed to, you know, equate to some other stories. And so he found himself alone quite often. He was wandering through the castle. And this young prince in his teens or what have you, right, um, comes across this, uh, well, in, in the cellars or what have you, in the storage rooms, comes across this old painting of a princess in, you know, fancy garb. And the story goes he falls head over heels in love uh, with her and just absolutely desirous for her just could not get her out of his mind. Um, but of course, didn't tell anyone as his story goes. And so he just pined and pined and pined. And eventually, eventually, um, depending on the story, let me tell a little difference. So of course, uh, in a royal family, they're probably not going to be dealing with the child themselves, or um, they certainly would have had, you know, royal officials and specialists and that to dote on him and talk to him. And as the story goes, uh, finally this one official who he maybe luckily caught him um, feeling especially vulnerable or he just felt uh, felt like he can open up to this government official or this royal official and he admitted to him that he was in love. This is why he was so sad and he just had lost interest in everything that um, he used to enjoy. Right? Think of this. The idea is depression from an attachment to uh, some sort of worldly thing or an idea, remember, thought, uh, feelings, uh, objects, people, you know, uh, even accomplishments are all the same uh, illusion in a sense. But here the story is he's attached to this beautiful princess that he sees this uh, old painting and so the official says, well, that's fabulous that you're in love, right? Because, you know, this is something they want. They want to marry off the royal officials. Jeez, and I said I was going to make this a Coles Note story, didn't I? But anyways, <clears throat> neither here nor there. So the official says, well, that's fabulous. Show me, show me, show me who, or, right? Who is this, uh, this princess, uh, you know, that you're in love with? Sorry, the prince mentioned that he was in love with the princess or whatever. So he hears the story from the young boy, uh, 
you know, that he hadn't actually met her and he was touring, you know, the great halls of the palace one day in his boredom or whatever, curiosity, and he found this painting. And the official, right, an older official of the court remembers of this story of where the painting came from. When the prince was young, they put on a play. And uh, as they do, they're doing, I guess, kind of essentially like a historical type drama. And they needed a young princess, a princess of Kashi. And they found that dressing up the young prince looked like a beautiful young little princess. And uh, so they did. And he looked so fabulous dressed as the princess, they had someone paint his portrait. Now, as he grew older, right, 15 years later, as it were, what have you, most people had forgotten about this, and it got laid away somewhere, arguably may have been laid away in the first place. Swami G today told the story um, to explain attachment. And in this case, he was explaining um, the Atman, or Atma. Uh, the idea was, you are one with everything, with... Um, Brahman with, uh, with everybody. That's the idea. And so he uses this to tell this story. And when the minister takes him downstairs and, you know, he sees the portrait, he explains to the young prince that, I'm sorry, this is something that's never going to happen because you are that. Right? I love that Swamiji said that today. And I explained it to the wife why I thought it was so special. Because we have a number of expressions in uh, Advaita that talks about this idea. And it, it also uh, coincides with us talking about the Tetralemur, the uh, Chitaskoti of Buddhism. So this idea that you are that. So, I mean, it's dualistic in, in the um, words. You and that. But it's not, because you are not this or that. You're both, but you're neither. That's the idea here. So in this case, he told the story of the Princess Akashi just to simply show how we can attach ourselves to illusion. He also explained with it how there is no mind, this idea that everything's an illusion, just like the Princess Akashi. He can believe um, that she exists. There can be this portrait. He can have all of these fantasies, but he was teaching twofold. One, how this Princess Akashi was a fantasy, didn't exist, was an absolute fabrication, an illusion, but that even if she existed, his experience of the Princess of Kashi would be no different. It would still be experienced in his mind. So that's the, the, the aspect of the story he told, was to explain that the prince like I said, you are that, right? And he allowed uh, that, saying, hey, you know, you are that painting. You are the Princess Akashi, so you can't marry yourself. But that's the idea. You're not yourself. You are one with Brahman nature. You are one with everyone, right? In the Buddhist idea, this idea of uh, Tathagatagarbha, I argue the Amala Vijnana, this universal, perfected nature, this idea, that not just the state of nirvana itself, but this state of equanimity, moksha, as the, uh, the Vedantans say.
So he taught it in, in you use this one little story to teach a couple aspects of non-duality. So one that um, everything we experience is an illusion. No different from someone I see on the street versus the painting of a fictional character. Uh, and teaching attachment that this poor boy had fallen in love with an image of himself. I mean, no different than looking at yourself in the mirror. And it's no different than looking at yourself in a mirror in that you are not what you see. What you're seeing is strictly a reflection. I mean, same as what I talked about before, that uh, I love um, using colorblind or um, when the experiments of flipping our eyesight upside down. It's strictly a change in perception. So he also used this to teach uh, the non-duality of just understanding this aspect alone is liberating. And what do I mean by that? It, understanding that he's not the Princess Akashi because she doesn't exist, but that doesn't mean he's separate from anything else. That's, he was trying to teach non-duality, trying to teach this idea that Brahman nature, the Atman, this soul idea, there is no individual self. So don't misunderstand. There isn't two Atmans. There's one Atman, one soul, and it's not yours. It belongs to everyone. You just get this weird impression, right? Remember latent impressions, that storehouse of, of impressions that produce the self. You just cling to this ridiculousness that, you know, eventually you become uh, habituated to and, you know, eventually becomes the self. And here's a perfect example. So he made a joke earlier, which I thought was kind of funny, which made me realize something. Uh, he asked a simple question. He said, well, you do realize that all of, you know, uh, reality is an illusion and everyone agreed. And he laughed and said, yeah, well, you've been reading a lot of Adanta because most people wouldn't agree with that. And here's a perfect example, because at the end of an hour plus long talk and 40 minutes into a Q&A, someone still asked this question. So in the story of the Princess of Kashi, the prince realized that there is no princess of Kashi. So there's no question of marrying the princess of Kashi, but the desire for marriage still remained. That desire was not vanquished. Please explain. So I love that, and he did eventually go on and explain it the way um, I'm going to explain it to you. Um, the reason why he keeps telling this story is, and he laughed too at first, and he said, listen, don't read too much into these stories, but technically you do. Because when he said, you are that, it's what I've said before. What that means is, there's nothing external that's going to change the fact that you are already complete within. Right? Because if there's nothing outside that is not illusion or is not uh, permanent, and the self, it's neither here nor there. That's a deeper little well. We won't even go into that. When he says, you are that, it's referring to this idea, this universal consciousness, like a Jungian idea or the Advaita uh, non-dual aspect, or even the Buddhist idea that... It's a not-self. There is no self that we walk around attaching to. There is just this universal awareness, experience, energy, whatever you want to call it. So he was trying to teach that not only, yeah, you can't marry a picture of yourself, but obviously. 
obviously. The teaching was, what are you doing looking for something to complete yourself with? Someone to marry or um, uh, something new or, to, to, you know, an achievement or uh, a new robe or a new bowl or some other label or identity you attach to yourself thinking that that's going to bring you that one step closer to this completeness. The teaching is you are already there. You are that, right? That om tat sat. You are complete already. And yet, here's someone who's obviously a practitioner and, and they're sitting near two hours into this talk and who knows how many they sat through before and they still don't understand that, that was the, the, the teaching. So this is why he keeps making these uh, silly little stories and going over them over and over again because someone missed the fact that no, the prince can't marry the princess because she doesn't exist. But the same teaching is you're already complete. So why are you wandering around searching for something when you have everything you need within yourself? And he gave this teaching earlier, which makes it even funnier that someone would ask the question. And he literally did say that you have to understand this realization alone. Right? And, and I've made a quote of this before, and I doubt I'd ever be able to find it again. Um, hold on here. Let's see. Would it be weird enough that it would still be up? No. But just the idea of realizing you're not the self is liberating in and of itself. Right? We've talked about the idea of free will, and he talked about this too, believe it or not. Um. Free will exists, but not until you start making choices, <laughs> meaning you have to overcome this delusional self that we're talking about here and begin to, what do they call that, self-actualization. But that, that stuff lies completely within oneself because, as he said earlier, there's nothing that lies without that can, uh, you know, complete you within. So the teaching was you are that, you are complete, you are one with everything. That funny little meme. Yet it needs to keep being retold because people hear what they want to hear, I guess. right? So in this case, someone just said, oh, well, you can't marry that princess because it, she doesn't exist. But obviously it's a story trying to teach you a lesson. The lesson is you can't marry her because she's an illusion, just like everything else you attach to in this external world. Complete yourself, manage your own perceptions and your, it's the cause and effect, so your perceptions and your volitions as well as your reactions. Once you manage yourself, and it's funny too, because I said to my buddy that I was um, working on liberating the entire world or the entire universe and everything that's in it. And he, and he laughed and he said, how are you going to do that? I said, by liberating myself. <laughs> uh, I'm a weird one, I am. But I'm not wrong. So on that, have a fabulous day.